you go wake up in the morning i'm talking right now you're about to experience a morning show unlike any of you what you guys are doing right now it's the hub culture the breakfast club is my morning sit i need it and i love it so much i feel like you're really not popping until you do the breakfast club i've been waiting to come to y'all show man i know you gotta be a big time celebrity to be up in here you gotta be you gotta be big time Jay Envy, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God. The, the Breakfast Club, bitches. Wake the fuck up. Wake up. Wake up. Good morning, USA. Yo 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 Good morning, TJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Thursday. What's happening? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we all decided to broadcast from home today because it's supposed to be another winter storm hitting uh, the tri-state area for everybody that listens to us everywhere across the country. We're yes. in New York, of course. New York, New Jersey area. It's supposed to be another 10 inches today. Yeah, it's supposed to be it's supposed to start already, but it didn't start as of yet. So I decided to, you know, keep my ass home just in case so I'm not stuck in the city. It's at 11 a.m. Yeah, 11 a.m. now. Yeah, yeah, 11 a.m. Which would be well, our, which would be our commute home. Right. They're still having a lot of emergencies in Texas. This is ridiculous. I don't know what they're gonna do there. That's yeah, crazy Texas that they just shut bad. off people's power. People. Are, ice in their own houses right now people are leaving and having to try to find somewhere to go sleeping in their cars Mm -hmm. listen the south is not prepared for winter storms you know what i mean like i'm from south carolina so i remember when one inch of snow literally would shut the whole state down so i can only imagine what's happening in texas right now right and let me shout out uh stacy lynch uh, Stacey Lynch is she's running for city council in New York City District 7 I actually went to uh, Hampton University with her her dad is a prominent uh, political figure in New York City help uh, David Dinkins become mayor and and help many others so she decided to uh, I think she was working in DC something and she decided to resign and come back and want to help her community so yesterday she had her first fundraiser to start uh, amazing person she's an attorney like I said she graduated from Hampton she was my big sister anytime you go to college Charlemagne I don't know if, if you had the same thing but when you go to HBCU they give you like a big sister a big brother to help you around campus to make sure you know you know what to do where you, you go to the laundry what not to do the ins and outs of the university and she was one of my big sisters and she's running so you know we did a fundraiser for her last night I DJ'd and had a bunch of Hampton people on there to, to start raising money the person that she's going against I uh, don't remember his name I just know he's a white man and the district is around the Harlem area so she her and her dad been living in Harlem all her life. So check out Stacy Lynch if you're in New York City uh, for city council. She's really, really dope, really, really bright and really, really wants to give back to the community and helping with education and, and all those other things. So shout out to Stacy Lynch and me and her used to uh, go back and forth. You're going to laugh playing spades. So in between classes, her, door, her room was like two rooms up above for mine. So her and her roommate and me and Gia would go and play spades in between classes. But she's she's really, really dope. So check out Stacey Lynch. As long as you were doing why, why, that why, why, instead of going to classes. Why in between why classes. Yeah. People, why you say people going to laugh? That's an HBCU. Yeah. I remember one time we, we I was at the crib. My mom went to South Carolina State. We was at the crib playing spades. And I said something. My mom was like, you think I don't know how to play spades? I went to an HBCU. Goddamn right. <laughs> one, right. of my, one of my friends off. actually had to do another uh, semester because she used to miss class all the time because she would be playing spades. Is that your friend that went to Hampton with me? 
No, she went to college with me. Oh, she went to college with you. Okay. You said one mm-hmm. of your friends, okay. you just say. What's school? Congrats to all, congrats to all of y'all who learned how to play spades in uh in college at a nice HBCU. I learned how to play spades in the county jail. Drop the clue box for me. <laughs> what did y'all play for? Because you know in college we play for things. What did what, what did you play for in the county jail? <laughs> what did y'all play Booty. for? No, I'm just playing. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't play for nothing. Okay. Play for played the played the past the time. That's what we played. Bro, we won't judge you. Do what you gotta do. It is what it is. All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. Front page news, what we're talking about. Well, let's talk about student loan forgiveness. Now, Joe Biden has rejected a $50,000 student loan forgiveness plan, and we'll tell you about the backlash. All right. We'll get into all that when we come back. And Erica, Alexander, and Whitney Dow will be joining us. So we'll kick it with them as well. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting, ye? Well, let's start with this student loan forgiveness, because I know that's something that's front and center on a lot of people's minds. If you've gone to college, if you have kids that have went to college and now you have these student loans that are weighing on you. So during Joe Biden's town hall on Tuesday, he did again address uh, student loan forgiveness and say that he's not willing to forgive $50,000. Here's what he said. We need student loan forgiveness beyond the potential $10,000 your administration has proposed. We need at least a $50,000 minimum. I will not make that happen, but everyone should be able to go to community college for free. And I think any family making under $125,000 whose kids go to a state university they get into, that should be free as well. And the thing I do in terms of student debt that's accumulated is provide for changing the existing system now for debt forgiveness if you engage in volunteer activity. I agree. Sounds I great. Why they just, but I wonder why they just don't pay off everybody's student loan debt. Like I saw, nigga, student loan debt in America is one point seven trillion dollars. Like we watched them give damn near four trillion dollars out last year. Those corporations get trillions of dollars. The millionaires and billionaires who already got it get tr- get trillions of dollars when they need a bailout. Why not take care of the student loan debt? Why not wipe that off the wipe that now, off the it, kids? Does it matter if the person is making like a lot of money? Or if their family has a lot of money, should that be forgiven? Because that's another no. proposal that's come up. No, I think it's a certain amount of up, money. If you make up to $125,000, then yes. But any if you make above that, then I think it's proportionate. There's all kinds think, of different things. But I think you got to raise that, too. Because it depends where you live. Because if you make $125,000 in New York, it, it, you're still not doing that well. Because everything in New York and the prices of, of rent and everything is so expensive. Or if you make that in L.A., the price is expensive, but I, I think that they should. If you make a certain amount, maybe one seventy-five for both family members, I think that they should take care of your your college. Absolutely. Now, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Oh. I was going to say the Hello, backlash you. comes from this, though. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez said, "Who cares what school someone went to? Entire generations of working class kids were encouraged to go into more debt under the guise of elitism. Ooh. That is wrong. Nowhere yeah. does it say we must trade off early childhood education for student loan forgiveness. We can have both." Yeah, I don't see why everybody can't get paid off because, like I said, you got these corporations, these millionaires, these billionaires who receive trillion dollar bailouts and they got it. That's true. So do the same for the kids. One point seven trillion in student loan debt. Wipe that off for these kids. Give them a head start in life. Don't let them start in debt. Here's what else Joe Biden had to say. I do think that in this moment of economic pain and strain, that we should be eliminating interest on the debts that are accumulated, number one. And number two, I'm prepared to write off the $10,000 debt 
um, but not 50. Would $10,000 help? I'm sure it would help, right? It would help. But when, when, yeah. when kids have, have like 100000 yeah, that's 25000 a year and it's $100,000, that's 10000 you still owe 90000 You know, like you said, they make they, they find all this other money for everything else. They find this money to bail out people, to help the, the, the airplane, the airline industry. Yeah, help these kids out as well. I just remember how yeah, crippling student loans were for me, knowing that when I first graduated, having to pay those and get a job and pay my bills and, you know, have to pay for eating every day. It used to Absolutely. stretch everything thin. I had to keep That's getting deferments. Just, 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 just wipe it off for the kids. And if you're saying that community college should be free, which, uh, which, which he's saying, if you're already saying that should happen, then everybody that went to community college, at least they should get their student loans wiped off, right? Since you're already going to make it free anyway. I look at that as the same way as decriminalizing marijuana. Once you decriminalize marijuana, or if you want to decriminalize marijuana, you got to let everybody out of jail who's in there for nonviolent drug offenses, weed offenses. All right, well, that is your front page news. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, phone lines are wide open. 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Tisha from Texas. How y'all doing? Hey, Tisha. Good morning. Hey, Tisha from Texas. How you doing out How there you with, with all that up, weather? Tisha? Yeah, what's going okay, on? so I'm calling to tell y'all, I know you're in New York, and it's so different if you're used to cold. Texas, we're in a situation... It's been bad since Sunday on Valentine's Day. People are without water. People are without power. And then when they have water, the water gets off because it's, the pipes are frozen, and then they burst. It is a mess here. Mm. And I just saw pictures that Ted Cruz is on the Cancun. Why would you wow. end it? Even if it's not affecting you at your house, why don't you be here and say, hey, you know, we're going to get this together. We're on this stupid other power grid. No one has power here. I have it. You know, a few people have it, but it's still bad. It is horrible here. And I just need more people to get the word out that it is horrible in Texas. It's like a hurricane or something hit us. It's horrible. Yeah, I seen I seen something where there was a, a animal frozen to a gate that just had froze. That they, they never seen temperatures yeah. like that. And I seen roofs caved yeah. in and and all that. Yeah, water everywhere. I seen frozen um, ceiling fans with icicles coming off of it. Coming mm-hmm. down. Toilets that are overflown. Uh, it, it's, it's icicles everywhere. And then we're having to boil water. People are putting snow in their tubs just so they can have water. The wow. wood is out. You know, people bought up all the wood. People are outside chopping down trees. Like, it's bad. And I know y'all don't maybe see that on the news, but it is very, very bad. And of course, there's a neighborhood called Highland Park. I see that. Lives in that neighborhood and all that, and they have not lost a lick of power. Because they're turning it off, generators. right? They're trying to do like rolling power, and they're turning off power so they yeah. can. I don't know what they're doing. That's what they said, and then those rolling were supposed to be only like 45 minute intervals or whatever. But some people have been without uh, for hours, 36 hours, 48 hours. Some people have been out since Sunday, and and wow. you know in the hotels. They're gouging prices at the hotels. And then some hotels, they don't have power either. It is absolutely horrible. And you can't get out and go to grandma's house or auntie's house because the roads are slick with ice. So do you... Let me ask you a question, Tish. Drive through. 
When when the last time y'all had a uh, winter storm like this in Texas? Seventy two, uh, they said. Thirty six years or something like that. Like it's been a a long, long time. And right now, six hundred and seventy five thousand people are still without power. This is crazy. And then now, you're right. You know, it the is. Governor's, yeah, the, the governor's like, well, you know, uh, we we heads need to roll. Yeah, yours. I'm like, I'm so sick of this. Why are we even on a separate deal? El Paso is not on a separate grid, and they are doing fine. That's horrible. Know, that's yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. That is. Well, thank you yeah. for calling us up and giving us the update from the ground there. We appreciate Absolutely. that. And we'll make sure we keep on uh, bringing light to the situation. I don't know what we can do, but keep on bringing attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Stay and safe, mama. You, you know, you can't do anything. And pray for the people that are out there working to get Definitely. this power back on because they're cold, too. Absolutely. Well, thank you for checking in. Thank y'all. Have a wonderful day. You too. I love the Breakfast Club. Bye. We love you back. All right. We're praying for her, man. That is crazy. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on the Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Yo, this is Big Mike from Harlem. Big Mike from Harlem. Big get Mike off your from chest, Harlem. Brother. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get off my chest that, yo, we finally did what we had to do. We got Biden in the office. But now he ain't talking about defunding the police, but he don't want to help the kids? Like, what's going on? He never was talking about defunding the police. Even on the campaign like, trail, he didn't believe working, in defunding the police. All this work and they found the money to do all this stuff, but we can't help the kids I, with the tuition. Like, I agree. That's the thing that he could do as he's in office right now that I believe. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you too, I don't too, know, bro. man. I don't know. We got to fight. We got to figure something out. We got to start. I don't know. We got to start protesting again, I think. We got to keep pushing the line. Like, you know, democracy works well after we elect who we want to put in the White House. You know what right. I mean? We got to keep pressure, keep pressure on them. That's all. Because right, they still got to win. Because do an executive order, but it's... Mm-hmm. I'm just saying they still got to win in 2022. They still got to win in 2024. So I keep telling, you know, people in that administration, especially when it comes to Senator, well, not Senator Harris, Vice President Harris, any future political aspirations you got depend on what happens right now. So y'all better get it right. Absolutely. Yeah, but thank you, brother. Sad, man. We do what we have to do. Can I give a shout out? Go ahead. I want to give a shout out to our GB Big Dipper, Boss Man Horse, better streaming everywhere. Okay. I don't know All what right, you thanks. just said. He said Big Shout out a Constellation. He <laughs> shouted out a Constellation, the Big Dipper. He shouted out Horse from the Bravehearts. Oh my goodness. Hello, who's this? Hey, it's Mitra. How y'all doing? Good morning. Hey. Get it off your chest. So I was just t- listening to you guys talk about the student loan debt. So they're not even touching private student loan debt either. So even if you don't have over $50,000 in student loan debt or $10,000 in a public school debt, they're not covering that either. So we need to bring that up as well. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. What's private student loan debt? Well, when you go to a private, when you get a private lender, they're, they're not covering that. Oh, okay. Right, they only so can't, uh, cover what Sally Mae, right? Yeah, they're not doing Navient. Navient is a private student loan lender. So yeah, so I done seen those notices in the mail. Yeah, so for some people, yes. they, Sally Mae will only give you a certain when you amount. you see that envelope. And then you got to go somewhere else to get some more money. <laughs> like, I had to do the same for, for, for Hampton, so I had two when different student loans. you see that envelope, loans. you're like, I'm not even opening that. I know. Y'all, let me tell you, they sent me a Valentine's Day card. Navient, no, they I, did oh, not. Valentine's <laughs> Yes, I was like, "Are y'all crazy?" But can That's I just disrespectful now, my baby? Go ahead, Mama. Yesterday, she's six years old. Chloe, happy birthday, Boo! Mommy loves you. Daddy loves you. We all love you. All right. Well, have a good one and enjoy that baby birthday, birthday. Okay. Listen, one day, Thank one day, you. people gonna. 
One day people are going to realize that the government, I don't care who it is, Republican or Democrat, they don't care about anyone but the rich and the elite. They will take care of each other. Everybody else, we on our own. Absolutely. Well, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up right now. Now we got rumors on the way. Yes, and we had reported earlier and gave, given our condolences to Nicki Minaj and her family after her father was killed in a hit and run. Well, now the driver has surrendered to the cops. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, the driver who was wanted for hitting Nicki Minaj's father with a car in a hit and run has turned himself in. As you know, Nicki Minaj's father passed away again. Condolences to Nicki and her family. But police did arrest 70-year-old Charles Polovich. Damn. That's sad because he's he's older than Nicki's father. Mm-hmm. He's been arraigned and charged with two felonies, leaving the scene of an incident involving death of a person and tampering with or suppressing physical evidence. They said if he didn't well, leave sure the crime, he, he wouldn't have got charged at all. If he didn't leave really? the scene of the accident, yep. Damn. Yeah, I mean, right. that's well, sad. He says, like a- according to reports, he exited his vehicle, stood over uh, Nicki Minaj's dad, Robert Mirage, asked if he was okay, walked and returned to his vehicle, and then fled the scene. Mm. I mean, what was the response when he asked her, asked him, was he okay? Why would you just leave the scene like that? Condolences go to Nikki's family. And I'm sure that, um, you know, that 70-year-old man conscious was eating them alive. That's why he probably turned himself in. But it's just a tragic situation all the way around. Right. And then they said, and this is how you know he knew he did something crazy. He actually uh, drove home avoiding intersections and he hid his vehicle in the detached garage at his residence. Absolutely, because I'm sure when he asked, uh, you know, Nikki's father, was he okay? Probably was no response. All he could look and see visibly that, you know, that brother wasn't okay. Damn, man. But he should have, I mean, but if he'd have called the police, it might have saved his life. You know what I mean? Even if they were absolutely, you know, resuscitate him or whatever, but it definitely should have called the police. Might have saved that man. Nobody wants to deal with the consequences of their actions. Sometimes I be thinking it's just a young thing, but clearly it's not. Like, damn. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, now Quavo has a new show coming to YouTube this summer, and this is with uh, content that's being rolled out from the YouTube Black Voices Fund. And so he'll be going to local basketball courts around the country and uh, linking up with NBA stars who live in the area and teaching viewers about the role that basketball courts play in the local community at large. And also important historical moments. It's called Supreme Courts. And it's his own idea, by the way. It was his brainchild. Okay. That's dope. You know, good for him yeah. coming out. Yeah, you know, he loves basketball, so. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Culture 3 will be out soon. FYI, they had already announced that. Now, the Gorilla Glue girl, Tessica Brown, her GoFundMe is under investigation, so she can't take out any of the money. She ended up getting $23,000 in that GoFundMe. She said they won't release it to her because many people have called and said it was a fraudulent account. Every time you look at it, it says it's under investigation. So I guess people are not believing her or I don't know what's going on, but she can't get that money that was in that GoFundMe. So would you say her GoFundMe is a sticky situation right now? (laughs) Shut up. Well, she wanted to actually uh, donate to the doctor who helped her hair and helped her get the Gorilla Glue out. She wanted to Mm -hmm. donate 20,000 to his charity. And that was what she was planning to do with the money. And she said the rest of the cash she wants to use for families in her parish, who she personally knows have been struggling. She wants people to know it was not a social media stunt, as some believe. 
Oh, all listen, right. Man, there's a there's a quote. The quote is clever is getting out of a sticky situation. Wise is not getting into a sticky situation. Sounds like this whole situation is sticky with Tessica Brown all the way around. It's interesting that there were so many copycats after. Stupid people. <laughs> all right. Rowdy Rebel says Bobby Schmerder will be out in less than a week. So we hope this is not another false alarm. But they are saying he wrote on Instagram six days yesterday. So hopefully that means he'll be coming home like for real in a few days. Yeah, I thought his mother said February, too. So I'm, I'm hoping he is coming home in the next couple of days. That'd be dope. Yeah, I'd be feeling bad. Not bad, but I get like uh, anxiety when I see, you know, people post stuff like that because, you know, a brother like Bobby Smurda, he'll be home in six days. He's going to come home to a lot of love and a lot of fanfare. You got haters in jail. You got people that be jealous and envious in jail, you know, and try to disrupt something just because they know that brother coming home. So I'd be wondering sometimes if it's even good to, to put that out there. All right, SZA is giving fans an update on some new music. Now, she was on an interview with CBS this morning talking about her climate justice initiative. She's uh, partnered with American Forest and Tazo. Uh, it's called Tree Corps. And she's giving fans some information about what's happening. Here's what she said. New music is literally on the way. I haven't slept. I'm <laughs> coming directly from the studio right now. Wow. It is 5 a.m. I left the studio at like 3.30. And I'm here with y'all. So music is on the way. I'm looking forward to a new SZA album. You know, that Absolutely. last album was amazing. Now, she also talked about her own uh, mental health. Nope. Oh, okay. Maybe not. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. I'm Angela Yee. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now we got front page news next. What are we talking about? Yes. And so, you know, when that vaccine comes now, NBA, I know you're taking it as soon yes. as possible, as soon as your turn. Uh, but NBA players are very hesitant to promote these vaccines. And we'll give you some more information. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Here, and I know you've heard me talking about my friends at the General Insurance. The General has been giving their customers excellent customer service for over 55 years. Find out why they are a trusted brand. Call 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. And all my tennis fans, uh, Naomi Osaka beat Serena in Australian Open semifinals yesterday. So Naomi Osaka beat uh, Serena. Also, you know, um, the, I was saying the equivalent of that. I was telling Dramos this earlier. The equivalent of that is like if Patrick Mahomes had beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Correct. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, U.S. Open is, is considered, I guess, I think the, the Super Bowl of everything. But yes, similar to that. And also, uh, you see that they imploded Trump Tower out in Atlantic City. Yeah, so that. everybody gathered around applauding. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the uh, mayor, Marty Smalls. He wanted us to come broadcast out there. He was like, why don't y'all come broadcast out there? I was like, nah, I'm good. Uh, stay away from that. I'm pretty good. But all right, what else are we talking about, Yeezy? Uh, Rush Limbaugh died. He was 70 years old. He announced that he was battling advanced lung cancer about a year ago and things took a turn for the worse recently. He missed some shows and his wife, Catherine, announced the news on his radio show yesterday morning. Yeah, I saw that. 70 years old, died of lung cancer. That's I don't, I don't want to go out that way. Mm. And I don't want nobody that I love to go out that way. I saw people uh, celebrating the fact that he passed away yesterday and I didn't understand that because I just don't want that kind of energy back on me. 70 years old, died of lung cancer? Nah, no way. I don't want that. 
Yeah. Mm-mm. I didn't see too much sympathy from our community when it came to Rush Limbaugh. Which is which is great. It's not even to me. It's not even about Rush. It's just about the situation. Sometimes you got to look at somebody and say, would I want that to happen to me? Or would I want that to happen to somebody I love? That's like, no, because that can, by the way, that can happen I just say quiet. That's one of those situations. Exactly. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything <laughs> don't say at all. Nothing. Just mind my business. That can happen to you. You can get lung cancer. Your mom can get lung cancer. Your dad, people close to you, people that you love. It's just like, no, absolutely not. You know, but sometimes when you do certain things and then, you know, yeah, I, I do be thinking about that. Like when you die, you want to leave a, a positive mark on the right. world. Well, if you heard if you heard a community and you hurt somebody, somebody is affected by your words. Like you said, for every action is a reaction. It is what it is. That's not a reaction. All right. though. Well, people are reacting to a, how, how they feel. You know, what I mean, they, I if they it, celebrate that, people. All what? I'm saying is lung cancer is something that's out of all of our control, which is true. That's what I'm saying. All right. A lot of top NBA players are hesitant to promote coronavirus vaccines. They've been trying to get them, you know, because there's not a lot of trust when it comes to vaccines in the United States. And the NBA has reached out to the agents of many of the league's elite players. They wanted to try to get some PSAs going to promote the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine. But not too many players are excited about being on the front lines of telling people to go get vaccinated. And uh, sources are saying there's a number of factors that contribute to many players' reluctance to participate, which includes some of them don't want to take it themselves. They're not too certain about that. They don't want to advocate its use for others. And also, they don't want to extend favors to a league amidst the largely unpopular plans for All-Star. Damn. So for all of those I don't know why reasons, they act like the distrust. Players. They act like the distrust is, is not warranted. It's absolutely warranted. Like, the medical system in this country has been historically racist. We have every reason not to trust this country when it comes to the vaccine. And like I've always said, they have not put any remedies for any other virus in in, in the black community, whether it's been poverty, poor schools, police brutality, you know, they don't, they don't care about us any other time. But now all of a sudden it's like, Hey, y'all need to get this vaccine first. Like, but I would say they, they're not just giving it to the black community. They're giving it to everybody, doctors, healthcare workers, teachers, making everybody do it though. Very true, but let's not act like there's not a real push for to get it in the black community. Like right, they're running commercials on black running running commercials on black radio. It. Tyler Perry got BET specials about it. Like they're really making a real push. Right, like they've asked me to be on uh, coronavirus vaccine task forces to try to get black people to take it. Yeah, I told me too, them the same thing I just said. Yeah, me too. But it's also a lot of black people have underlying conditions, and we have diabetes. We have other things that that affect us yeah. and We're that can kill affected. us from having COVID. Very really true. And, All and that the is fact true. that such a small percentage of black people aren't getting the vaccine, that is going to, uh, if it's, a, you know, being that it's effective, which is what we are hoping, that is going to be a disadvantage for us yet again. All that is true. But my point stands the trust, the distrust is warranted. We have every reason not to trust this country when it comes to that vaccine. Because it's even worse if none of us get vaccinated and then now we can't move around, we can't do anything, and then we're the only ones getting sick. It's not now, our, Kamala it's not our Harris. Fault. It's not our fault. We don't trust them. It's his Vice not President our fault. Kamala Harris has stressed that teachers should be given priority for getting COVID nineteen vaccinations, and she wouldn't say if she thinks that's what should be the prerequisite for reopening schools. Teachers should be a priority, along with other frontline workers, and we're going to make them a priority. I believe that up to twenty-two states, I believe, have prioritized but teachers in terms of but vaccinations. But if they're not but vaccinated, the is it safe for them? 
Well, I think that we have to decide if we can put in place safe measures. This is why, and it's so important, we pass the American Rescue Plan. The American Rescue Plan is a plan that is about getting our schools back open. Right, and Dr. Fauci is saying, (laughs) Dr. Fauci was very clear. He doesn't think it should be a requirement for every teacher to reopen schools. Listen to this. I think if you were going to say that every single teacher needs to be vaccinated before you get back to school, I believe, quite frankly, Tony, that that's a non-workable situation. I think teachers should absolutely be priority among those who we consider essential personnel. But you don't want to essentially have nobody in school until all the teachers get vaccinated. I mean, that makes sense, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, the but problem the with having teachers, well, teachers, I think, should be vaccinated. You know what I mean? Because your teachers, you have all these students there, and these students come in, and a teacher could have it, and the students bring it back home to their parents, and their parents bring it to their grandparents. So, yeah, I think teachers absolutely should 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 have to have to be vaccinated to teach I, in school. I in, agree. In maybe I heard Doctor Fauci. Maybe I heard Doctor Fauci wrong. I thought that's what he said. I I agree. I think teachers should be vaccinated because you know they say that I guess younger students can't you know get it. But they still could pass it to the teachers. But I'm like, right. yo, let the teachers get vaccinated. The teachers yeah, they are, can get are it. most they at just risk, right? Usually won't have as bad symptoms. I actually spoke to a uh, professor the other day who got COVID from one of her students in the classroom. And then they shut the whole school down. Yeah, All right, let the well, teachers that- get vaccinated. Hey, why, why aren't teachers considered essential workers? Shouldn't they be? Uh, some places, I think that they're doing it. In certain places, they are. And so some states are saying that, yes, they are frontline workers. And some aren't. So states Mm. are making decisions individually about who will be on the list that gets vaccinated first. All right. And that is your front page news. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, we have Erica Alexander join us and Whitney Dow. They have a podcast. What's the name of the podcast, Charlamagne? Well, you know, it's Black History Month. And yeah, it's Black History Month. And Black History Month is all about teaching and learning, you know, all things black. And one conversation that's been happening for a long time in this country, uh, in the black community, is reparations. And yes, the podcast is called The Big Payback and launches today on the Black Effect iHeartRadio Podcast Network. And it's brought to you by Color Farm Media, hosted by Erica Alexander and Whitney Dow. So they'll all be right. joining us next. So we'll kick it with them next. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Everybody, it's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got some special guests on the line. We have Erica Alexander, who's been here several times. Welcome back, sister. And we also have Whitney Dow. Good morning, sir. Thanks for having me. What's up, Whitney? What's up, Queen Erica? They're here to talk about reparations now and never the big payback podcast. Yes. How about that? How about that? It's time has come. It's time has come. And we're happy to do it, actually. It's been a really good conversation, but also a great education, not only into the history of America, but also the history of African-Americans in America and the all the injustices from slavery. It's it's actually um, overwhelming. Well, Eric, I already, I already can hear people saying, what makes you and Whitney qualified to discuss reparations? Yeah, and how did you get this podcast started? Oh, sure. OK, we'll do both. I'll, I'll answer. Uh, second one, Envy, um, we were working on a documentary and it was about reparations. And um, obviously you start to get some of the stars of reparation, the people that have been pioneers, people that are in, in it and really qualified experts. And then something extraordinary happened. There was a older woman in Evanston, Illinois. Her name is Robin Rue Simmons. And she passed the first reparations bill 
in American history in the 400th year, meaning last year, 2019, or I guess the year before last, and um, did something that no one had ever done. So they called her the Rosa Parks of Reparations, and we started following her. We'd already been starting trying to follow H.R. 40, and it's sort of turgid moved through Congress with Sheila Jackson Lee as she inherited it from John Conyers. But um, why am I qualified? I'm black. I'm African-American. <laughs> I think that qualifies me to say a little bit about reparations because I think I owe, I'm owed it. And the other thing is, is that I think I'm a uh, person who's curious enough to know that this is an important issue and I wanted to look at it from um, a, a greater point of view. And um, the black effect said, yeah, we'll do it. So there you go. And Whitney, why, why you? Well, you know, first of all, I'm white, so I guess I'm qualified to pay it, right? So that's the first one, right? <laughs> but, but the second thing, I've, I've been making films about race and difference, always with across race with partners. And the more I started, like, making films and projects about it, I always felt like there was this big conversation left out of, like, what is white people's role in it? I know it's changed a lot in the last few years. And so as I started digging into it and started really digging into all the all the different ways that race was impacting the country, I really come to the point where I just believe that, A, the racial division in this country is the thing that's driving all the divisions. And the fact that we've never had a reconciliation in this country is driving all the divisions, economic divisions, political divisions, social divisions. And that until we deal with that, we're not going to be able to deal with anything. Now, do you guys think we'll ever see reparations in our lifetime, honestly? You know what? Here's the problem. For 30 years, they've been trying to have a discussion about reparations, not trying to give it to us. That's what H.R. 40 is. It's named after famously the 40 acres and the mule. But it's the House of Representation has this bill in front of them and they can't even bring it in to discuss it. And this is among people who a lot of them want it. So I don't know if we're going to actually get reparations. There have been pockets. But I think that Robin Ruth Simmons might have something of a blueprint because people are starting to talk about it locally. So maybe that's the way it comes in. Can we talk about that blueprint? Because when you hear reparations, everyone has a different opinion on what reparations actually looks like. And I know you guys are exploring that on the podcast, but from your own personal opinions, what do you think is the best way that reparations should happen? Money. I'm saying cash is king. I, I, but that's me. Check I think plus. That, yeah, check. Exactly. But you know, by the way, that's the, that's the conversation of, why the conversation or discussing it or the analysis and the diagnosis of it is so important because a lot of people think that it's just about a check or it's only about a check or, you know, and that's so um, crude. It's kind of grotesque. The problem is this is a pain and suffering of all these people, millions and millions of Africans died and uh, we weren't, we denied citizenship. We were denied all sorts of restitution. They did experimentation on us, Tuskegee, mass incarceration, these are all plagues among among us. So should it just be a check? No. Should it be a check? I absolutely believe it should because I think that money is power. You know, Envy, you talk a lot about real estate. You talk about ownership. And part of owning it, I think, for white people is paying and having, you know, an outright payment for it. But there's programs. There's all sorts of things that should come into play. There's the, the mental and um, health con uh, conversation. There's uh, so many things that are involved that it's going to take, I think, a mass sort of program and, and really the, the real experts to come and do it. But I do think that money should be a part of it because I think that that's how Americans and most people, human beings, weigh value. I'm afraid to give people just money, though, because if you give people just money with no financial competency, no financial literacy, he's going to give it right back to the white man. Yeah. Call, somebody call Killer Mike. 
<laughs> you try you try to teach us how to spit it on and, and well you know Whitney do you think that you're gonna get it right back I'm hoping no, <laughs> no. <laughs> alright now we're gonna take the N out of your name we're gonna take the N out of your name and start calling you Whitey down you gotta talk faster sir <laughs> Is it just money? And I think actually, I mean, because I, you know, I talk, Eric and I have this, you know, I'm, I'm here to save white people too. Cause I feel that like, it's not just about the money, but I sort of lay like, that's like the baseline responsibility. But I think one, when you ask me, is it going to happen? One of the big things that has to happen, one reason why, why reparations hasn't happened, it's forced, it's going to force white Americans to reimagine their own story. And that's the existential threat to get white people to say, accept their history, accept their legacy of being part of this white supremacist structure. That's why people are storming the Capitol, not because that they're thinking that they think that somehow the election was stolen, but they're being told that, hey, like the, the bills come due. This is the reality of the world. And it's a and for you know someone I did this project called the Whiteness Project where I talked to 300 white people about being white, it's an existential threat. Like to accept that means I'm not who I think I am. All right, we got more with Erica Alexander and Whitney Dow from the Big Payback Podcast. So don't move, it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Erica Alexander and Whitney Dow from The Big Payback Podcast. Charlamagne? One thing that intrigues me about this, this podcast, The Big Payback, is Whitney's perspective. So I, I want to hear from both of y'all. You know, Erica, you start. Why was it important to include the perspective of a, of a white male in this conversation? Because it's their debt. And it may not be the debt that they say, oh, I, I, I don't know. So this is the, the conversation and that most people say, or they, they say, I, I wasn't there. My, my ancestors did it, but I wasn't there. Why should I pay it? I said, well, you know, you can't say that to the victims of Hiroshima, that, um, you know, they're deformed babies that come out um, years and years and years after that bomb was dropped and the, the original victims are dead, mm -hmm. that they're not ongoing uh, disfigurement. And so to me, the disfigured position of African-Americans is because of the historical precedent of race and um, slavery in America. So you talk about redlining, you talk about loans and um, um, how it's not only difficult to get a decent loan, but also the discrimination, the prejudice behind it. You talk about the women that go missing all the time and nobody looks for them. They'll, they'll, they'll launch a huge thing for, for white women, but not for black people and black women. It goes on and on and on how many disparities that we are vulnerable to. So it's white people's debt. They should pay it, but it's America's debt. They don't have to worry about paying. Let the federal government pay it mm. because that's their debt. They're the ones who paid it to the Japanese. They're the ones who started to, now they don't officially call reparations to the Native Americans, millions of acres of land, billions of dollars. It's their debt and it's our debt as Americans to make sure that African-American descendants are considered and more pro properly, um, this huge apology has to do with an acknowledgement that they've done something to a specific population in America. But who apologizes? You is it, is it their president? Is it, you know, who, who do we get this apology from? We've had a couple. <laughs> Well, ahead, there's, already, there's already been an apology, right? I mean, yeah. I think the Senate voted for apology, but they said, let's just be clear. This apology can't be used for reparations. I mean, there, there's like, what you know, it wasn't a, a true apology, but I do think it's the federal government created the system. The federal government created all created the structures to like oppress black people. It's a federal government responsibility to uh, make that better. But I want to answer something you said, uh, you know, Charlotte, about why white people. And mm -hmm. it's like, it is our debt. 
And it's like, it's our responsibility to clean it up. It's like when your kids mess up, you make them clean it up. And I really feel that it's that until white people acknowledge that, they can't really be whole. They can't be full Americans. They can't be part of this community. So what I really hope that this work, what this podcast does is that my, I view my role, my job, there's lots of black voices out there, but I want to create white ears who can hear them. And I feel like sometimes mm. I can be the interpreter is that, you know how it is like white people and black people speak, they don't hear them. They don't want to hear them. And so they pretend they can't hear them, but you know, someone like me perhaps can be the interpreter and, and allow them to come to the project like this, come to the podcast with, with open minds and hear it differently than if it were just Erica. Absolutely. How do you determine who gets reparations? Because I see that argument also going on. And that's an interesting one for me. So how, who determines that? What if, you know, you're mixed? Like just so many different things about reparations. So how do you determine that? Well, I know I get it. You know, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I know that, that, by the way, if you look at Eidos and some of the um, the leaders in that movement, they believe that it should solely be descendants of African-American slaves. Now it's hard to determine who that is right now, but I think it's pretty clear. You know, let me put it to you like this. Obama don't gets it, okay? I don't think Kamala gets it. You know, if you really start to look at where they come from, she might have to ask for restitution from Jamaica, maybe go to, you know, her mother's um, East Indian. Of Obviously Obama is from Kenya and his mother is Kenzian. But Michelle, Obama gets it. Her children gets it because they have the blood of slaves running through them from her side. I think that one of those things that we get hung up on is who gets it. But the truth is, America gets it. Because what happens is when you, when you start to really compensate African-Americans and it goes into the side of their community, it lifts all those people. Poor whites are in this conversation partly <laughs> because of the um, historical uh, damage done to African-Americans. But, you know, we shouldn't look, obviously, Angela Yee, you're mixed. And, you know, somebody might look at Envy and say, look how light he is. He don't get it. He's but it's probably his light skin. Well, yeah, no, I don't think I you get, get it, Envy. I you get it. Yeah, you I don't know. She's 50-50, but I'm, I'm <laughs> Envy, Envy's Dominican, I ain't Dominican. Erica. He's Afro-Latino. I ain't Dominican. Oh, 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 oh really? No. Well, I don't know if you get it. You might have to, you know, throw some dice, brother. Look, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I just believe that it's a conversation about mm -hmm. that, we gotta find the people. But I think that overall, we can figure out where to put that money in those programs. Erica and, and Whitney, can we achieve true equality in America without reparations of some form? I don't think so. Now, I, I mean, it's because reparations is about, it means repair, right? It repairs the relationship. And I don't think you can have true equality until you really, until you acknowledge you're wrong, you, you repair that relationship. But then it's also the question, Charlamagne, is what is true equality? Sometimes I get to the point, it's like, do you actually, need that do you mean do you just take it you know what i'm saying like what is what does that actually mean to 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 to, to achieve true equality mm -hmm. does that mean that we're all colorblind we have this it's hard to understand the question i worked a lot in haiti and there was always like is haiti going to change is haiti going to change I'm like change to what jamaica <laughs> like, the bahamas like what do you think it's what do you have you been to haiti like what do you want it to be in some ways it's a really cool place because it's not totally owned by the cruise industry and it's kind of this unique spot in the world so you say what is so it's hard to know what actually true equality means yeah i always say i don't even know if we can ever achieve civil rights in this country because it's not civil rights that i think the problem is i think it's human rights they just don't look at black people as as human so how can we ever deal with the civil aspect of it if we don't even deal with our regular human rights 
True. You know, Reverend Barber calls this or marked this time period as the third reconstruction. So I think that means this is the time to rebuild America's foundation as it should have been built since reconstruction. And he knows that's not possible without looking at the moral and monetary obligation, as he calls it, toward the least of these. And he doesn't just stop at African-Americans. He includes poor whites. He includes people of color. He includes this because of the continuation of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's Poor People's Campaign, which talked about fusion Mm -hmm. politics, uniting marginalized communities. But that recipe includes the advancement and the implementation of reparation toward the descendants of enslaved Africans. And I believe like climate change, we talk about climate change, it's an urgent call. We need to save the planet for human beings. Well, I believe this is our last chance to create America for all Americans, not just as it was meant to be, meaning the founders meant it to be for white American men, but as it should be. Do you and Whitney bump heads on on certain things, but we hear that on the podcast? You know, Angela, it's about usually about emotion. I get emotional about things. I cry very easily because I realize that there's a lot of anger that I have suppressed. I'm frustrated. You know, so many people would ask me, am I the angry black woman? And I used to say no. I used to be offended. And I realized I'm so freaking angry. I don't know what to do. I'm angry a lot of the times. And so it comes out in these conversations. I didn't understand what my mother was talking about when she always talked about white people, white people. She was angry because she couldn't get past their barriers. And she was so deserved. She worked so hard. Again, I always say my parents both were orphans. They had no help um, in a familiar way. They had to do it with just bearing down willfully determination, try to get education. And she couldn't get a job after she got her master's one semester's from a doctorate, and she was 50 years old. So I look at Whitney, he's a Columbia, uh, he's a professor from Columbia. He's got a beautiful family, and I don't, I don't think he shouldn't have those things. I'm happy for him. I'm also mad that he has those things. I work hard, but it's not hard enough to get past my skin color or gender, certainly mm-hmm. not my skin color. And so, yes, we bump heads because I'd sometime, I'll be honest, take out on him what I can't take out on the world. As you should. Thank you, Whitey Dow. <laughs> I thought you were my corner, Charlemagne here. <laughs> Did you just call him White Dow? Whitey Dow. <laughs> yes, yes. Do you feel like that I do that, Whitney? Because we, yeah, I mean, we argue. It, it, we do argue. We've had, you know, look, we're kind of working together for a couple of years. And I think what's interesting about it is that you can have like shared goals for with different motivations and we're, we're trying to get to the same destination so we're locked in this we're locked in mission but we kind of have different missions we have different roads that we're traveling along at but look it's complicated because we live in different realities and so yeah we you know i think that that going into it i I, when I first met Erica, I was like, I, I was very skeptical. I don't, I don't know if I want to work with this woman. She's a, an actress, movie star. Da, da, da. I'm like this guy, documentary filmmaker, works in the basement. I don't know if this is a good deal. I mean, and I said, Erica, I don't know if this is going to work. I mean, really, she said, Whitney, you think I survived in Hollywood for 30 years without knowing how to handle white people like you? Wow. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I can work with that. Well, the Big Payback <laughs> Podcast, check it out right now. Erica right. Alexander, Listen, Whitney Dow, thank you for thank joining you. us this morning. The, the Big Payback uh, Reparations Now and Never, it's available on the Black Effect iHeartRadio Podcast Network. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to... Thank you. Thank you for believing in us out there. and committing to the, to the journey. And thank you and congratulations to y'all for being in the uh, Hall of Fame. Hey. Killer. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Whitney. Black Effect. All right, peace. Bye. It's about time. What's going on? Yeah. Rumor report. Rumor report. 
This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. So Dr. Dre's estranged wife, Nicole Young, has filed documents. She wants the court to let her get access to their marital home because she has some personal belongings there. And get this. She's saying that she's observed several different women posting photos and videos inside the house, and some of them might be wearing her stuff. Can you imagine that you are separated and then you see videos of people wearing your um, Chanel slides or whatever it is that you some of the belongings that you left? She also says that she has a closet with 20 fur coats in a cedar and temperature controlled environment. And she wants to go and get those because if he packs up her stuff and puts it in storage, that would be catastrophic for her furs. They have to remain in that temperature controlled closet. Rich people problems. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Exactly. <laughs> people wear furs in, in, in L.A. though? Is it that cold? Probably sometimes, no. I guess, at night. And you know how it, the temperature drops at night? I guess no. she just has these furs. No fur she travels. Listen, man, you know. just said it's rich people problems, right? right? Rich people do rich things. If I want to wear a fur in 70-degree weather, let me wear my fur in 70-degree weather, okay? All right. Hey, I it's cold out. It's 60 fur. degrees. Let me put my fur on in Cali. All right. Well, April Jones, who people are saying the rumor is that she's been dating Dr. Dre because they were photographed out together going to dinner. Uh, she recently did an interview and she was talking to Madame Noir and she was talking about why she was on Love and Hip Hop. She said the whole situation with me and O on Love and Hip Hop was completely controlled as far as Omarion. She said, I never even wanted to do freaking reality TV. His management thought it would be good for him to show who he, who he was and his life because they were gay rumors. So to show he was in a relationship with a woman and having kids and all that, they thought it would be great. If you love somebody, you're going to do it. But I just felt very controlled. I wasn't really myself. On top of that, I was pregnant both times. So I was really not myself. And when I came out of that relationship, which was fully effing controlled and it was a lot going on, I was like, oh, my God, I totally lost myself in that. Managers and publicists come up with the most stupid ideas. What you know mean? what I mean? Because sometimes, sometimes you just got to let people believe what they believe. Let them think what they think. If you're not gay, who cares? If you're not gay and you know you're not gay, who cares? Right. Um, but she stayed on the show after that. So, I'll, you know, she's saying it was controlled and she didn't want to do yeah. it. And you Tell them, Charlamagne. You know, I don't cares. know. Go ahead. You. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shut All up. All right. Donald Glover <laughs> has signed... <laughs> An eight-figure deal with Amazon Studios. So they're saying he has left the Disney-owned FX for Amazon Studios. They're saying he secured that deal, which includes a prime video channel that will highlight his work as well as other curated content. So they have not yet confirmed the details at Amazon Studios, but insiders are saying he'll executive produce a number of projects under that deal, including a potential series called Hive. That's dope. That's what did that mean for? Uh, what did that mean for Atlanta? I'm sure Atlanta's well, I'm sure probably still under, under contract for that. So it's not going to affect Atlanta. That's been renewed for two more seasons. So he'll figure, you know, I'm sure that's carved out for him to finish his contract deal that he has with FX for, for Atlanta. But they do expect that Atlanta will resume in the upcoming months with season three, perhaps premiering later this year. Mm -hmm. Look at him, man. That's amazing. That's great. All right. Um, Meek Mill, people are upset about his lyrics it's a song with Little Baby that he has, and he references Kobe Bryant and not in a positive manner. Listen to this. And if I ever lack, I'm going out with my child, it'd be another Kobe. But should I could tell that they ain't never know me? Because if they knew me, they would have never showed me. It was about some money. Sweetie, be lonely because I don't let her hold me. I know that and they be on them, but she don't never show me. I made a promise before God, don't want to never hold me. I don't know. So what, what he, he says, if, if I ever lack, lacking? I'm going out. With my child, like Kobe. 
With my chopper? He like said, Kobe. if I ever mm-hmm. lack, I'm going out with my chopper. It'd be another Kobe-ish. I can tell they ain't never know me. That's what he said. He's talking about the gun, actually. That's like, what do you call that? A double entendre? Is that a double yeah. entendre? Yeah, the chopper mm-hmm. and the chopper. I just, that hurt my heart. Because I just thought about how his wife would feel and daughters and people close to him. Like making a joke about, uh, the, I mean, a, a pun in music about the chopper and Kobe. It's painful. I mean, yeah, it is. But, you know, and I, I thought the line was whack and distasteful. But it's rap music. Like, yeah, since the beginning of time, rappers... Yeah, mm-hmm. rappers have been saying wild ass, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I guess it adds to the shock value of hip hop. But, you know, personally, I know I would be standing on really shaky moral ground to criticize uh, Meek too much, especially with the stuff we let slide on the regular. Like, yes, Kobe was beloved. So that's probably why it hit home. The accident was tragic. And, and personally, I don't see why people play with folks deaf like that. But it's it's rap. I just think about Vanessa Bryant and she's even said like, I can't, please do not post any tributes about, like she's been asking people, please don't post this. Please don't do that. We're still grieving. True. But what about, okay, let's, what what about a line like when Eminem says, uh, when when the concert, the bombing happened uh, at the Ariana Grande concert and he said, I'm contemplating yelling bombs away on the game. Like I'm outside an Ariana Grande concert. People died in that. Yeah. I mean, people do damage when Eminem said that line. Yeah. And people were outraged about that. People have been doing it for a long time. I mean, there's lines with Hove doing it. There's lines with, like you said, Eminem doing it. Is I'm I'm sure I'm sure Fab might have said a line or something similar when, when talking I've about heard, something like that. I, that's I've how heard they, Columbine lines. Yeah. I've heard people make you but know. But I, I think you also have to know when Columbine. you do something like that, you know, it is going to affect people and people are going to have an issue with it. I mean, in your Absolutely. head, you have to say, if I say this, I know there's going to be some backlash. There's no question. Absolutely. Little Wayne said, I beat the pool, pull up like I'm going to tell. Like, this has happened so many times. And then, and like I said, and he took that like out I'd and apologized. Stand- yeah. yeah, I just feel like I would be standing on really shaky moral ground to criticize me because it, it'd be hypocrisy because it's so much stuff that we let slide on the regular. All right. Now, uh, Therabody, have you guys ever used that uh, Theragun? No. Oh, you know, the, the, um, it's like a massage gun. Muscle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I used that. One for, I bought one for uh, Logan because he plays football, but yeah. All right. Well, in their latest round of investing, Therabody is a company that makes Theragun. They got uh, a lot of support from more than 100 names in sports, business, culture, and entertainment. People like uh, Kevin Durant, Rihanna, Russell Wilson, Sierra, all of these people have now invested in Therabody. They said Therabody is at the forefront of incredible opportunities in the wellness space, and we look forward to seeing what else they're going to accomplish. So uh, they tripled its overall revenue since 2017. The company wow. has 126 patents globally and another 100. 38 pending and they have their products in approximately 10,000 stores around the world a lot of support there all right well that is your rumor report all right thank you miss Yee. Charlemagne who you giving that donkey to oh man we need a Texas mayor named Tim Boyd to come to the front of the congregation like this ain't rap you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, the, the wild distasteful stuff that Tim Boyd said this ain't rap we'll talk about it for after the hour all right, we'll get you that next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed question. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. 
Yes, Donk here today for Thursday, February 18th, goes to Texas Mayor Tim Boyd. Tim Boyd is, or should I say, was the mayor of Colorado City. Before I tell you what he did, let me tell you the backstory. We all are in our own worlds here on this planet, so some of us may not be familiar with what's going on in Texas right now, but a deadly and record-breaking winter storm has left much of the state without power this week. Uh, I saw the good brother Trey the Truth. Drop on the clues bond for Trey the Truth. I saw him post that people are sleeping in cars and dying due to carbon monoxide poisoning. And Trey pointed out something that is clearly ringing true because Trey said, and I quote, the problem for us is the people who in positions of power in Texas felt the money was more important. How the F government and politicians allow this and allow ERCOT to F us over. Uh, ERCOT is the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. By the way, they operate the electric grid for 75% of the state from what I read. Uh, Now, people in Texas have gone without power for for our food for three days, says Trey. So, Really serious situation happening in Texas. You know what I mean? Uh, prayers up for everybody in Texas. Who do people turn to in times like this? Who helps folks in situations like this? Because the Avengers are fictional characters. So is the Justice League. I would love for Wanda to create an alternate reality in Texas right now where they are not being hit with a winter storm. But that's not reality, okay? This isn't a Marvel Disney Plus TV show. In times like this, the people that are supposed to help are the elected officials, the public servants we put into office to protect, provide, and serve our communities. So we think. I literally said to you uh, in the 6 a.m. hour in regard to Joe Biden not wanting to cancel student loan debt that I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. They don't care about helping anyone except the rich and elite. Okay, that always comes first in this country. These corporations will get bailouts, but the people will starve. It never fails. And this situation in Texas is no different. Keep in mind what I said about Texas. Okay, keep in mind what Trey said about Texas, deadly winter storm. Trey, the truth said elders and babies are dying from carbon monoxide poisoning because they have to sleep in their cars. Folks haven't eaten or had power in three days, says Trey, the truth. And the mayor of Colorado City, Texas, Tim Boyd, the mayor had this to say. Let's go to KRBC, NBC9 for the report, please. The strong will survive and the weak will perish. Harsh words from Colorado City Mayor Tim Boyd as residents continue to fight the cold. Mitchell County Judge Mark Merrill says the area has been struggling to keep water and some electricity on since Monday. And as many in the county look for help, Colorado City's mayor says don't look to him. Quoting, it's not the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. Colorado City's mayor has resigned, but others say the city is still working to step up and keep residents warm during the storm. I'm going to be honest with you. That news report didn't, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, do it didn't give what Tim Boyd wrote any real justice. Like they really watered what he said down. Let me read it for you. Okay, this is Tim Boyd verbatim raw. I'm not putting no sauce on this. I will read you Tim Boyd's whole statement in full. Let me hurt some feelings while I have a minute. No one owes you or your family anything, nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city and county, along with power providers or any other service, owes you nothing in capital letters. I'm sick and tired of people looking for a damn handout. 
with an exclamation mark. If you don't have electricity, you step up and come up with a game plan to keep your family warm and safe. If you have no water, you deal without and think outside of the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you are sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you're lazy, it's a direct result of your raising. Only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Folks, God has given us the tools to support ourselves in times like this. This is sadly a product of a socialist government where they feed people to believe that the few will work and others will become dependent for handouts. Am I sorry that you have been dealing without electricity and water? Yes, I can't tell, Tim, but I'll be damned if I'm going to provide for anyone that is capable of doing it themselves. We have lost sight of those in need and those that take advantage of the system and mesh them into one group. Bottom line, quit crying and looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. End quote. Mm-mm-mm. Tim Boyd, I need you to shut the F up forever. All right. These are the folks who are, in, who are in leadership positions in America. How can you say power providers or any other service owes the people nothing? Of course they do. They owe the people power and good service. <laughs> That's what they pay for every month. You know what happens if a regular everyday citizen tells the power company, I owe you nothing? The power company will say, oh, word, and they will cut off that person's power. See, the reason this mayor thinks the power company doesn't owe the people anything is because he knows the people need the power companies more than the companies need the people. The people have no choice but to have power, and the mayor knows this, and that's why he's flexing on his constituents in this manner. The mayor said he's sick and tired of people looking for a handout sir this weather storm this this winter storm is an act of god folks are in distress they need help if my house is on fire and i call the fire department to come put it out that's not me asking for a handout that's me as a taxpaying citizen utilizing resources that i help pay for for you to tell those residents in texas if you don't have electricity if you don't have water to come up with a different game plan to keep your family warm and safe to think outside of the box to survive tim boyd tell me your plan I bet you got water. I bet you got electricity. I bet you got food. Meanwhile, you on Facebook talking down on the people you supposed to be serving, sounding like you quoting the hook of huh by juvenile. You told the residents of Texas, you know what it is. You make nothing out of something. You handle your biz and don't be crying and suffering. If you don't get your human jaw helmets head ass up out of here, I hate when people chastise folks for problems that the people they chastised and didn't create. You called these people lazy as if they created this snowstorm, as if they put themselves in these positions. You blame their present condition on the way they were raised? Okay, you might be right, because a lot of these people weren't born privileged. Okay, they were they were raised in the poverty. All right, grew up, they were raised poor and disenfranchised, okay? And because of socioeconomic conditions of this country, they just simply haven't been able to rise because of good old boys like Tim Boyd systemically keeping their foot on folks' necks. That is the American way, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, the American way is systemically oppressed and marginalized folks. And then when the most vulnerable among us is exposed by situations like this, situations that are out of their control, the people in positions of power victim blame instead of taking accountability for what you and your piss-poor administration, Tim Boyd, is clearly not doing. Now, of course, the post was deleted. Tim received backlash, so he gave us the mandatory fake apology uh, after things like this happened. Let me read it. Uh, I would never want to hurt the elderly or anyone that is in true need of help to be left to fend for themselves. I was only making the statement that those folks that are too lazy to get up and fend for themselves uh, but are capable should not be dealt a handout. I apologize for the wording and some of the phrases that were used. 
once again, Tim, shut the F up forever. It's an act of God. You do realize that an act of God can bring anyone to their knees. Rich, poor, black, white, it doesn't matter. Tim, you and your family could be in that position one day. Just like that. Snap of Thanos' thumb. Okay, earthquakes, hurricanes, blizzards, they don't give a damn about your financial status. They will take your home right out. And then what? We're going to tell you to get it how you live, just like you did those families in their time of need. Now, Tim Boyd has resigned, which I'm shocked about. Usually the privileged elitists among us just say to hell with y'all. I said what I said, but he resigned and his wife got fired for his comment. See, knowing when to open your mouth and when to keep it shut is valuable wisdom. Tim, you should have kept the lid on the mayonnaise jar, a.k.a. your mouth. All right. Please let Chelsea Handler give Tim Boyd the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw. That is way too much Dan mayonnaise. All right. People are Thank cruel, you for that bro. donkey today. Hmm? Mm-hmm. All right. Up next, ask ye. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, call ye right now. Phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Come on. Need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice. Call up now for Ask Ye. Keep the bread. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Ye. Hello, who's this? Hi, it's Chantel. Hey, Chantel. What's your question for ye? Um, I've been with my boyfriend now for eight years. Mm. We have two children together. And like any young couple, we've been off and on. You know, we've had our problems. But more recently, with this last uh, love child we made, we were doing good. Everything I needed was being, you know, met, communication, our goals was in line. And then out of nowhere, back in September, I went through his phone and I think that he was entertaining females on social media through messenger. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, really, you know, just doing the most. Like, one girl was begging her to cut him back on. I was just confused. Like, what did she cut you off of? But anyway, we talked about it. Nothing was physical, and that's why I was, like, willing to move on. Nothing I came across made it seem like he was getting down with anybody. So I was like, okay. I forgave when we talked about it, and I told him there. I said, you know, this I'm not going to keep going through this. I'm too old. I got too much going on to be going. I feel like this is childish. Mm -hmm. If that's where you want to be, leave me alone. You know, so that was in September. Out of nowhere, here we go, February 14th. He's passing out drunk. I go through his phone. And now he's being sneaky about it. He's actually still conversating with these females, but he's deleting it. And the only reason I caught it is because he screen recorded it. To show his friends. Wow, that's embarrassing. This is crazy because I want to say a few things here. You guys have been off and on. It probably feels like to him, y'all will go through it, but you're always going to be back together with him so he can kind of do him because you ain't going nowhere. It's been eight years. You had two kids together, so he's not concerned about that at all. Secondly, all his friends know what he's doing. That's embarrassing. Now you got to be around him. I got to see you. You got to be. And you always think, oh, his friends is laughing at me because they know what he's doing behind my back. They know he don't even take me seriously. Family. Right. So everybody knows. So now you feel like boo boo the fool. Yeah. Listen. He loved me and and he it's nothing. 
So I guess my question is, is him flirting? I mean, to me, it's it's heartbreaking. I, I'm not willing to put up with it. But is that is that now what 2021 is about? Like, I have to. It is not. And there is no way you should be excusing his behavior as just flirting or this is what 2021 is about. Don't let him convince you that. Okay, because that is dead wrong. He's out here seeking validation. And who knows if this will lead to something physical, because if not, what's the point of him even doing that? Does he feel like it makes him feel attractive? Is it good for his ego? What is it that you feel like? Am I not doing what he needs me to do for this relationship to work? And it's completely disrespectful. Yeah. So I just think that. You know, y'all have been through a lot. Like you said, you've been off and on. Y'all been together for eight years and he's still not taking it seriously. What do you need to do for yourself? Because don't you want to be in a relationship where you're not going through someone's phone, where you don't even have to think like that? Exactly. Yes, I do. And I've never been that type. I've never been the jealous type. I've never been the go through the phone type. He never even gave me any clues that I had to do that. It Mm -hmm. was really like, oh, just on a humble. I just stumbled on something, you know, like, and then I became that person. Yeah, and I do think when you realize you're not who you are in a relationship, then that means things aren't going well. When I'm acting out of character and I'm like, why am I feeling jealous? Why am I feeling like I got to go through this phone? Why am I feeling insecure? That's not a good sign. So he needs to get some help. He needs to do, you need to decide what it is you have to tell him he needs to do. And in the meantime, I feel like you have to realize that we are not in a committed relationship until you can fulfill these goals. And I just can't see it working until he does what he needs to do and you feel more comfortable and that's going to take time is he willing to step up to the plate to do that though is the question so you need to figure out what i have to tell him well tell him what it is specifically that he needs to do to make you feel comfortable and if that means making his account private if that means that you have access to his account so you can see what he what he's doing whatever it is that you need don't let him tell you no and if he's not willing to do those things then he's not willing to save your relationship okay thank you All right. You're welcome, girl. I wish you so much luck. I do hope things work out for you guys, but he has to make the most effort right now because you can't trust him. And once that trust is broken, no one wants to live in a relationship where they're always second guessing everything. When he leaves the house, who is he on the phone with? Why is his phone turned upside down? Mm hmm. I mean, he always in his phone, always is glued in his hand in his face. And anytime I kind of look over, he don't, you know, basketball, some sports related. Mm hmm. It's just real sneaky. You know. Right. All right. Well, sounds like you a good woman, but you can't keep holding down somebody that's doing things like that and uh, embarrassing you and being disrespectful. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. All right. Ask ye. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, hit ye right now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Ye. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Yo, this Maul from the Bronx. What's up, Maul okay, from what's the up? Bronx? Get a... Yo, so what's your question for Yee? So basically, I got I got a thought pregnant, and I want to know, like, dang, do I stay with her? Do I go? <laughs> you got a woman pregnant and you don't know if you should stay with her. Do you want to be with her? She, I mean, she a good girl, whatever, but she, I mean, she used to be around, so I don't know what oh, I want to do. So you're trying to say in the past she's got a lot of bodies, but that bothers you now. I mean, you feel me? I, I ain't planning to get her pregnant, but it happened. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's take the pregnancy out of this. Is this somebody that you would want to be with? Uh, no, not really. Why not? Cause it's like for me, I'm 25. I'm, I'm, I'm living. Okay, so you're just not ready to be in a relationship. It has nothing to do with her past. You just said she's a good girl, but she's been around. You feel me? I'm from the Bronx, you feel me? So your heart rep means a lot. So what she did, what about you? Have you been around? You feel me? But that's a double standard of life, I feel like. You know, you're supposed to get around, you know, like. Oh, my God. So you're saying it's okay for you, but it's not okay for her? It's definitely okay for me. I'm a guy. It's like, for a woman is, is what? I don't know. What, we, what I'm supposed to do. That don't sound ridiculous to you? So you could do whatever you want in the past, but when she was single and mingling, that was that's an issue now, even though it's in her past. And you said she's a good girl. Man. You know, if you're real confident in yourself and securing who you are, it should not matter what anybody thinks about your girl. True, true, but no, I, I understand. I understand. I'm here for advice. I'm listening. So if you want to be with this woman or you want to at least give the relationship a chance, then you do that because you said she's a good girl. If you don't let what other people might think about your girl bother you, it should only matter what you think about your girl. And if you say she's good now, if she treats you well, if she's great to you. Man, you got her pregnant. Take care of your responsibilities. You can't take the pregnancy out of this. And you better be a good father because that well, child no, is he not is gonna to be, be It's not about that. He's asking if he should be with her. That's, that is what it's about. It's about taking care of that child. You can take care of your you child take, and you not can't. be together. You don't have to be with but somebody you, just because you guys you, are having but a you baby. Told him take the you told him take the pregnancy out of it. You can't in this situation. That's the most well, important saying, thing in this What situation. I'm saying is if his question is does he want to be with her or not, you're not, you don't stay with somebody just because they're pregnant. You can still be a father and have those responsibilities. I'm, but what but I'm saying is if out. you want to be with her, it's not about whether she's pregnant that you want to be with her. It's about whether or not you want to be with her. Yes, still be a father, still handle your responsibilities, but you're not forced that should be to be number with one. someone. I'm a hustler, you feel me? So it's like, you know, oh, she, she not on Some people look down on that. She's she not, she not on the same type of time as I'm, I'm on. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be having a coaching father is, is, is you saying so you, so yeah i'm lost so you hustling as an as a street hustler or you just hustle like you get money i mean yeah i'm getting money both ways both ways okay, okay. and i'm sure people judge you for that right yeah but you know i live in a broke it's like <laughs> it's like it's like I don't know it's no judging once you get money it's like dang at least Bro, you, get you gotta take care of your kid regardless you gotta take care of your kid regardless you have to have a relationship with the mom whether you wanna be with her or not you have to have a great relationship for your child you lay down with that woman and things happen and now you gotta be a man man up I'm, I think, I'm so yeah, sorry. the first thing is, of course, are you planning, you are planning to take care of your child, right? That wasn't the question. I, I mean, yeah, of course I take care of my child, I take care of my BM, you feel me? I, I'm the one who pay everything, mm -hmm. you know? I pay the bills and, you feel me, put the food on the table and all that. But You just don't know if you want to wife her. It's all, it's crazy. Yeah, I think, I, look, I take your time. All you need to do is make sure, is make sure that she has a safe pregnancy. Just be good and be there for her throughout her pregnancy so the baby is safe and healthy and you can work on your relationship and decide. You don't got to make that decision right now as far as to whether you guys are co-parenting or in a relationship. But I think, you know, just handle your responsibilities as a father and then you guys will decide in time. But don't judge her based off of her past. Her past is 
you know, it's cliche, but your past is what makes you who you are today. She wouldn't be the person that she is right now that you say is a good girl if she hadn't done the things that she would have done in her past and lived her life. Yeah. I mean, like, and you had a baby, bro. And you, and you added to her body count. You know she had a lot of bodies before you slept with her. You got her pregnant. Take care of your responsibilities. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Tammy Roman posted a video of herself and she's very emotional. She's in Atlanta working. She said her house in, te- in Texas is destroyed. Here's what she had to say. I'm sitting in my trailer just trying to keep it together because I know I got to go and perform today. Like everything is okay. Just everything I've been working so hard for. The my children just ripped away. And it is the, and I know everybody is going through something, but I just wanted to offer prayers up for you and your situation. That's horrible. And it's, yeah, so um, you can watch her full statement on Instagram. Now, Kanye, according to reports, is not doing well amidst his split from Kim Kardashian. So some people thought they would get back together, but it looks like it's not happening. A source told People Magazine he's anxious and very sad. He knows the marriage is over and there's nothing that can be done right now. He also knows what he is losing in Kim. She has defended him privately to her family. She has stood beside him at a time where a few wives where few wives would have done that. There is very little hope of reconciliation. It would have to be a miracle, but Kanye does believe in miracles. Feels like this source is the Kardashians. Yeah, it definitely seems like the source is the Kardashian. <laughs> but I would say Chris, this, no, that matter, you? no matter what happens in anybody's family, especially your wife, it doesn't matter what happened. That, that'll hurt you. That'll put you in a, in a dark place if you ever think about losing your family or losing your wife. So I, I get it. I understand completely. Uh, yeah, that's your, that's your wife. That's the mother of your kids. It's like, you know, who wants to live like that? You know what I mean? Who wants to live without a without a wife by their side? Got to go see your now kids on same, weekends. Like, come on, man. This same insider said Kim doesn't want to hurt him. She just knows she can't be married to him anymore. He's very aware that she's been a good wife. He still loves her very much, but he understands. I wonder now, if Chris knows we can see her. Told- Chris, we can see you. <laughs> we can see you, Chris. Okay. Now. Another source, I don't know if it's the same source, told E! News exclusively that while Kim and Kanye's relationship may be nearing its end, their kids do remain the top priority and that he can see his children whenever he wants. And they said she's moving on and having a lot of fun at this stage in her life. She feels like she is already divorced and they are at a standstill currently and neither of them are pushing to make their split official at this point in time. There's no rush for paperwork to be finalized. Okay, Chris just passed the phone to Kim. That was Kim just now. So Chris said the first part, and then Chris passed the phone to Kim, and then Kim started whispering and said that second part. Okay, we I got it. Hey, all these sources telling all these different mainstream outlets. <laughs> all right, LeBron says he wants to create an album. He said on social media, my love for music is insane. I think I'm going to do an album. Oh, no, I won't be rapping or anything like that. I'm not crazy. I know what I'm great at, but I'll tell you one thing. I do have so many friends that can, thinking out loud. Yeah, that'd be dope. I think that'd be dope. We put together a complicate, a compl- I was going to say a complication, a compilation a album. Complicated <laughs> album? With all this, with all the artists. To do it during the NBA season. All the artists he supports. <laughs> I think that'd be dope. All right. Now, Nicky Jam, when he was on The Breakfast Club, he was excited to talk about his wedding. He was planning to get married uh, to his fiance and... You know, they uh, got engaged on Valentine's Day last year. Well, and here he is on The Breakfast Club talking about uh, his upcoming wedding. Where's the wedding going to be? 
Uh, we're thinking about Malibu in LA. You know what I'm saying? So y'all invite if y'all want to go. Oh, yes. be, yeah, I mean, if y'all want to go, you know what I'm saying? I'm just being, I know Charlamagne not going to go over there. He's like, I ain't going over there. I know that wedding's going to be amazing. I like hey, a good wedding. All right. Well, now he's single. A year later, I guess it's not happening anymore. He said in an interview that they're no longer together. He said the situation of the pandemic, of quarantine, affected the situation a bit. And the truth is, it just didn't work out. There are a lot of things involved, different culture, languages, many little things that at the end, it just didn't work out. So, oh, and I'm excited for this. Regina King is going to produce and star as Shirley Chisholm in a biopic that's directed by John Ridley. I am so excited because I feel like we all need to see Shirley Chisholm's story on that big screen. And Mm -hmm. so now it's going to happen. And there are several different projects focused on her. She was the first uh, black woman in the Senate. And she also had uh, launched a 1972 presidential campaign, which was historical at that time. And now they're doing a movie on her. So that's going to be really dope, all of them. But um, Shirley Chisholm, I think, is so amazing. And she's from Brooklyn. So okay. Yeah, you, you, you got to get it right. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah hit. Yeah, they got hit it right. hard. They definitely so when got you do right. those type of films on, you know, great black icons, you got to get them right. Well, the you film got, is being produced out. based on the life story rights through an exclusive agreement with the Chisholm Estate also. Because the bar, I hold it to. I hold it to, you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X. I hold it to Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, those are the bars. I mm. hold, you know, uh, movies like that, too. So, All right. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. Now, our revolt will see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. Today is Dr. Dre's birthday and Joel Santana's birthday. So we're going to get some of that on during the mix. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, it's Black History Month. Who are we repping today, Charlamagne? Man, today I want to honor and celebrate a man who has become a friend of mine. I'm glad to be able to call him an OG. I'm talking about none other than Dr. Claude Anderson. Earlier in the show, we had Erica Alexander and Whitney Dow on to talk about uh, their podcast that just launched today called The Big Payback. It's on the Black Effect iHeartRadio podcast network, available everywhere you listen to podcasts now. And the conversation is about what black people are owed economically in this country. And yesterday, we had Rashad and Troy on from the Earn Your Leisure podcast talking about you know, financial literacy and in and, and, and the black community, financial empowerment, because financial freedom might be our only hope. Okay, and Dr. Claude Anderson has been on the forefront of that conversation forever. If you've never read Powernomics, his book, you need to because he describes black economic empowerment as building a proverbial structure with multiple floors. Let's listen to when he was on The Breakfast Club breaking it down. The Breakfast Club presents a new Black History Month legend. This is my Powernomics plan. I'm giving you the Powernomics plan now. One, I gave you about the social construct. Second thing I want you to do is demand that there be a permanent office for Native Black American Affairs established in the White House, which means any issue that goes down, you got a piece of person sitting there with where the president is that can start dictating what your needs are and what kind of what your resources needs are. That's the second thing. The third thing I want you to be able to demand that right now that, that we have a I have a power numbers plan for setting up jobs in the in the United States for Black folk. I want them to build a, high, a Southern high speed rail system in the South that would run from Atlanta, Georgia to Dallas, Texas. It'll run at 150 miles an hour, take you from Atlanta, Georgia to Dallas, Texas. That would you build businesses around those centers. This is for the black folk because that's a, that's called a Southern Black Belt running from, from, from the East Coast to the West Coast. The, th- the fourth thing I want you to do is to also tell them to, to now, before they start bringing in the more immigrants in this country, tell them that 
require Congress, that Congress do an examination for the negative impact that immigration has on black folk. Nobody ever makes that point. The only people that's, that, that's damaged and injured by immigrants coming to this country is black folk. And the, and the next point is this, that, that I want you to establish a focusing on the reparations for black folk in the country. And the question they keep asking the whites, where is the money going to? It should be set up in what we call, I would call regional distribution banks, uh, where, where black folk can borrow that money to start businesses in, those, in the major black urban areas in the United States. Every major black city, you should get about five or six of them, should have a, a, a reparations bank there. That's what I want now for reparations funds. And don't be worried about how much money will each black person get. No, I want to put into a special revolve, a revolving loan fund where blacks can borrow that money and be able to start businesses in, in, those, in those urban areas. And that was another new Black History Month legend, courtesy of The Breakfast Club. That's right. Once again, go grab Powernomics, man, his book, if you've never read it. That is a great Black History Month read, man. Salute to Dr. Claude Anderson. I love that brother dearly. All right. Now, when we come back, we got the positive notes, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Yes, and you know, as Black History Month continues, we are having the first ever iHeartRadio Living Black event. It's all taking place this Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It'll feature performances from today's biggest hip-hop, R&B, and gospel artists. That includes Roddy Rich, 21 Savage, Janae Aiko, Kirk Franklin, and more. It's also produced by my girl, Emmy and Grammy Award winning producer Ricky Hughes. They'll be showcasing once-in-a-lifetime performances, making for a powerful audio and visual celebration of the Black experience, featuring artists, actors, creators, and Black leaders who have shaped culture. So make sure you tune in to iHeartRadio Living Black show this Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern via iHeartRadio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. You can get more details at breakfastclubonline.com. All right. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? I do. The positive note comes from Miss Wilma Rudolph, okay? Wilma Rudolph once said, and I need you to let this be embedded into your spirit. Never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. We are all the same in this notion. The potential for greatness lives within each of us. Breakfast club, bitches! Are y'all finished or y'all done?